Welcome to the Natural Health Rising Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. So on this episode, I have Hannah with me, who is a licensed functional medicine PA who specializes in hormones, gut health, and advanced biomarker protocols. She has advanced training certifications in nutrigenomics, hormones, toxin exposure, longevity medicine, positive psychology, sleep science, and gut health from the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine and Institute of Functional Medicine. She is the founder of Healthy with Hannah, a boutique health and wellness company where she works privately with clients through customized health plans that incorporate advanced testing and lifestyle medicine. She is also an active member of YPO, an exclusive global leadership community of chief executives united by the shared belief that the world requires better leaders. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Thank you, Rachel. I am pumped to be here with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you. Um, so you're located in Tampa, correct? And you see clients all over the U.S. as well as in, in Tampa Bay? Yeah. So we are in Tampa, St. Petersburg area, and we our office is under construction. So hopefully by you know fall or winter of 2023 this year, uh, we're going to open up doors here. But for now, we're doing virtual visits. And then I am able to see um, a select group of clients out of Florida as well, which has been really nice for people. Awesome. So what, who are the typical people that come see you guys? I would say I have two core groups coming to see me. One is females um, ranging, you know, 30 to 45 ish, where they're really getting interested in their hormone health. And maybe they have not had that tested in the past or don't really have a lot of education around it. And they're seeking, you know, to really learn about themselves and learn if what they're experiencing is normal. So a lot of clients come seeking that. And then the other subset I really focus on is health, really healthy individuals that are interested in prevention. So, you know, they're already doing everything they can that they know of, you know, exercising, sleeping, eating right, those things. And now they're ready for the next level of, you know, preventive medicine, but they're not really sure what that means or who to reach out to. And those are the clients that we focus on, you know, checking all the boxes, getting a really comprehensive baseline for and making sure they're just really um, tapped out actually on their health. Mm -hmm. And so what, what got you into doing this and becoming, going down the functional medicine route versus the conventional medicine route? Yeah. Yeah. So as a PA, you know, you are trained very conventionally, which I still absolutely incorporate. Um, but after I graduated, I just knew there was this whole side that we hadn't, you know, really learned about. So I reached out to a local female physician here who had an integrative medicine practice, which is, you know, similar to functional medicine. And it was just her. So I was able to work with her one-on-one -on -one for um, a few years, over two years, just learning from her and 
it was just eye opening. And I would talk to my other, you know, friends after we graduated and, and I would say, well, we're doing this to treat. And they would say, oh, well, we just start with steroids, antibiotics, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it was just, you know, eye opening to see that there were options depending on each person. And then after I completed that, you know, integrated medicine fellowship with her, I really sought to take it up a notch. So use this basis of functional medicine and then see how we can even look to the future and kind of prevent things. And it really stemmed from, you know, my husband, he has like a very strong family history of cancer, unfortunately. And we had um, done one of these lab tests with him that showed he had a high stem cell turnover rate, which one of the um, causes of that can be a cancer or a tumor. So of course, you know, we're freaking out. <laughs> we're like, okay, let's go get you an MRI. He's like, where do I sign up for this? Who can specialize in this? And at the time, you know, this was a couple of years ago, I said, Matt, you can't just walk in somewhere and get an MRI if you don't have anything going on. You know, you, your blood right now isn't showing anything. So it really developed out of seeing a need for individuals who want to make sure they're taken care of and they're preventing things. And then I developed, you know, these different packages and now it's formed into the client is in the lead. I'm taking your cue on what your goals are and where you want to be and then just creating kind of a package based on that. Okay. Awesome. So um, if someone is coming to you in more of a preventative area, what types of advanced testing or what are what are they doing with you guys to start off that's different than if they were to go somewhere else? Yeah. So if we're just talking, you know, in generalities here, I would say um, advanced lipid cholesterol testing. So more than just your four traditional cholesterol markers we're checking, we're looking at your oxidation level, your inflammation level, your insulin levels, anything that's, you know, going to um, trigger possibly chronic disease in a few years from now. And mm -hmm. then you have you know, these emerging technologies like this MRI, we both got preventive full body, including brain MRI scans, which was a really good experience. And we're able to um, let our clients have that every, you know, year if they want, or every five years, just depending on their individual risk. And there are ultrasounds that we do that can look at active plaque in your carotids. So really being mindful of, you know, the main killers, if you will, with chronic disease, heart attacks, cancers, diabetes, and making sure we're looking ahead, or even, you know, maybe your glucose is a little high, but don't worry about it. I'm keeping tabs on it. And I'm making sure this isn't going to develop into something that we need to worry about down the line. Mm -hmm. Okay. You mentioned cholesterol and like advanced lipid testing. So I love you to talk a little bit more about why is it important to do advanced lipid cholesterol testing? And also when should people actually worry about cholesterol? Because I think some people freak out uh, sooner than they need to a lot of times. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. So two questions there. Which one do you want me to do first? <laughs> um, start with the lipid testing, like the advanced part. You can start there. Okay. So what are we looking at there? Why is it important to go a step further? It's important for a few reasons. One, because you're looking at these and your providers determining if you're going to get on a prescription or not. So that is a big decision with your health. And a lot of the times with statins, the cholesterol meds, you're on there for life. 
And that's okay for some people, but some people want to say, do I have other options? And by checking these in-depth panels where we're looking at, you know, your particle size, your inflammation levels, your oxidation, your plaque activity remodeling, we can see if, okay, yes, you are a good candidate for a statin. Or, you know what, I think we can try this supplement or this exercise or this diet and retest and see if that worked. And then maybe we don't have to take that prescription. So I mm -hmm. think that's really important. And it gives people options and it lets them feel like they have a role in their health and in their, you know, healthcare plan. Okay. What would be some of the supplements or diet if someone had that option to not get on statins? One of my favorites is red yeast rice. So that's chemically similar to the structure of a statin. But a lot of the times you don't have the side effects like the muscle aches and pains. Mm. And it's important to supplement CoQ10 if you're using a statin because it can deplete those myelin sheaths, which are, you know, protective of your neurons in your brain. And, you know, studies are always being done, but over time, it could be a concern. Other things I love to do for cholesterol are, um, you know, Mediterranean diet, a heart health diet, really being mindful of inflammation. And I keep saying inflammation and it's because, you know, you have your cholesterol picture, but if you're not looking at that inflammation picture, it's really hard to tell if and when you're going to have like a, a cardiac event or even buildup of that plaque, because just looking at the cholesterol, it's not usually aggravated, you could say, unless there's that inflammation building. So really work on keeping that inflammation low. And I guess just a quick example where people can relate. Um, I have a couple family members with very high cholesterol, and there is a genetic component there that they're not able to totally take control of. But we work on their inflammation, and it is so low. It is, you know, 0 0.3 of a CRP, which if you're familiar, is very impressive. And that way they're able to stay off statins because their inflammation is low and they're protecting themselves in that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how does someone reduce inflammation? What are some of the key components, whether that's diet or lifestyle-wise? Yeah. And that is the part that's so holistic and it can be so you know unique to each person but the obvious ones are are you sleeping are you exercising and are you exercising in a way that's not contributing to the inflammation so certain pe people if they're going hard at f45 or orange theory too often that can push you towards inflammation maybe a little bit of yoga and that detox work or shorter hit training is better if you are worried about the inflammation. Um, food is everything, right? So turmeric, cinnamon, making sure you're eating whole foods that don't come out of a package, those will all really help with inflammation. Okay, I like those. And I'm glad you mentioned the exercise part because I do see that quite often with people who yeah. really overdo it and not only trigger inflammation, but then also deplete their hormones, adrenal glands, all of these other components um, of their body as well. So you can you explain the difference between genetics and epigenetics and how these both play a role in everyone's health? Yeah, I feel like genetics has been, you know, the hot term. Um, for most of my lifetime. And when they sequenced the genome, they thought they were going to find exactly where diseases came from and we could tweak those. But what science is more pointing towards now is that your epigenetics, how your genes are expressing themselves, how they're turning on and off, 
from your lifestyle is really what impacts how you're expressing the genes. And what that means is like diabetes. Maybe I have a high family history of this and it's likely I could get it. But if I'm feeding my genes the right information, so the right food, the right exercise to cater to that diabetic risk, I could turn it off. And that is super exciting to me. Have, are you familiar with, you know, genes on and off? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I talk about this a lot with autoimmune diseases because yes. that's what I deal with a lot. And um, just show people the power of like, yes, you you can get this, but then you can also put it into remission and almost turn that like turning that dial all the way down. Right. Um, but you can prevent it like you're talking about with people, you're mm-hmm. showing them how to prevent these things. And so if you get ahead of it, then you have that chance to not even turn that switch on. Yeah, yeah it helps you see, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a victim of this and you have a little bit of control here. And I think that's really powerful for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of it like, um, let's say you have a little kid and they're the sweetest little kid in the world. They're They're so good. But if they start hanging out with the really bad kids in school who like, I don't know, do drugs and bad things, yeah, yeah. Um, that has a strong influence over that child. And that child could very well likely, although maybe they were raised in a really great home, all of a sudden start doing bad things, bad activities um, just because of the environment. And so that's like the same thing. You know, if we start choosing uh, more inflammatory foods, if we're not working out, if we're, we have toxins in our environment, like all of those things are going to impact mm-hmm. our way that we're flipping on and off that switch. Um, so can you go through some things that would turn on a switch of um, going down a path of disease or like how do people navigate that part if they say, well, I have a history of heart disease mm-hmm. or autoimmunity or something like what should they start doing about that? Mm-hmm. Know that your genes are currently favoring the disease. And that means that you have to work a little harder than someone who doesn't have a risk for that. So, and that can get frustrating. You know, you see your friend eating carbs and, you know, tons of red meat and other things that contribute to, can contribute to heart disease. But for you, it matters more. So you need to really dial in on what the family history is. And like you said, a lot of autoimmune people, what your personal history is. Are you really sensitive to toxins or, you know, even certain foods or fragrances or with toxins, it's a lot, but finding what genes you're the most worried about with your health and then specifying what kind of plan we can do to make sure they're turned lower. And that's kind of a general answer, but it really depends on, you know, what we're talking about. And so much of that goes back to nutrition. And I really find that, you know, I develop these really detailed plans for people, a lot of nutritional information. I know you do the same. And then I step back and I look at it and I'm like, this says to eat real food. This is what this says, you know, Mm -hmm. try to eat things that come from the ground, not man-made. And if you do that, you're definitely on the right track. Okay, got it. You know how passionate I am about natural health and holistic wellness. In fact, it's the reason I'm here today on this podcast, sharing everything I'm passionate about so that I can help others. I truly believe living a holistic life is the key to living a happy life. Are you as passionate as I am about wellness? 
Maybe you too can envision yourself helping others and sharing the message of wellness. If so, today I invite you to check out a complimentary gift I have for you from my friends at the International Association of Wellness Professionals. It's their career kit, and it can help you learn more about the exciting and rewarding career of becoming a holistic wellness coach. You can learn how to take your passion for health and transform it into a successful career to help others transform their lives. All you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, and when you do, you'll get a ton of amazing resources to help you learn more about launching a life and career you love following your passion for wellness. Let's kind of switch a little bit into talking about aging because I know you, you've studied anti-aging and all this. So is there something people can, like a lab that someone can do to tell how quickly they're aging in relation to their actual health? Yeah, there is. There are lab companies that do that now. I work with one where you can tell your um, chronologic first bio- biologic age. I just did this on myself. I'm waiting for the results back. And it <laughs> also gives you a little scale of how fast you're aging, which is kind of crazy to look at. Um, and they compare this to thousands and thousands of people your age. So it's really interesting. Um, my husband did it and him just being a man, he was aging faster than uh, females because men tend to have that little bit of lower life expectancy. So you can definitely get these tested now. It used to be more known as telomere testing, but mm-hmm. they have a little bit better um, grasp on the right calculations and different models to use for it. And then they're these are long reports I'm getting back. They're about 70 pages long. So it really goes into depth on epigenetics, what genes are turned off right now for you. And is that going to be beneficial to you? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is that test called? Um, it's a true age. I think it's just called true age from true diagnostics. Okay. They're a really, really great company. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so what are the main contributors to aging? If someone gets that test result back and they're, say, 10 years older than they should be, what's going on there? We look at lifestyle first. So are you smoking? Are you drinking? Are you managing your stress? That is becoming such a huge thing. And um, I'm in A4M, which is an anti-aging medical group. And the conference they just had, one of the highlighted points was how cortisol, your stress hormone, is now being more and more looked at in the longevity space. So the impact your stress has on you is definitely going to make an impact down the road. Um, It even gets into hydration status. Weight is a big factor as well because, you know, having excess weight increases your risk for many different chronic diseases like diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it goes into diet as well and then gives a little bit of your family history in that too. Okay. Um, so you mentioned stress management. So what are some of your top stress management techniques for people? Mm, I think breathing is really underrated, right? It's free. You can do it anywhere you're at. You can do it when you wake up in the morning, right before you go to bed. And there's a few different techniques. I do the eight, seven, four, breathe in for eight, hold it for seven, release for four, and then do four sets of that. And if you really breathe deep and involve your rib cage with expanding. You can feel it in your fingers. It gives you a little tingly sensation. Um, You're stimulating that vagus nerve as well. So breathing, walking, being outside in nature, 
you know, they've done studies, sleeping outside reduces your stress levels, walking outside barefoot. If so, if you're in a place where you can go outside in the morning, get natural sunlight on you and touch nature, you're starting your day off right. <laughs> mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. I like that breath pattern that you explained. And I also really love alternate nostril breathing. I don't know. Oh, that's, yeah. that's just one of my favorites. It's always, always has been. <laughs> I just learned that one in yoga like last week. They randomly did it in my yoga class. I never knew that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super relaxing. Um, what about foods? Are there any specific anti-aging foods? Yes, <laughs> there are a lot. And this is something I give my clients as a handout. I say, put it on your fridge. You need to incorporate these weekly. So let's see how many I can name. Salmon is a huge one. Blueberries is an amazing superfood. Beets, um, mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms, spinach, and the one that I saw you guys talking about on another podcast was organ meats, like liver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone freaks out when they, you say that. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie. I do not eat liver, but I supplement it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. People, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I, that I consume that because we talk about it a ton on here. <laughs> yes. Um, awesome. So mushrooms. Yeah. Those are, I love those too. And so many mm -hmm. different medicinal mushrooms that are like anti-cancer and have other benefits as well. Um, and then you said beets, blueberries, salmon, of course, for like the omega-3s and fatty acids mm -hmm. in there. Okay. Those are some Eggs. great ones. Eggs. Yes. Eggs as well. Yes. What, so let's clarify this for people, not just any eggs though, right? What kind of eggs should people be buying? One of my favorite topics. Okay. You buy the organic pasture raised, not pasteurized, <laughs> pasture raised. <laughs> okay. And you know, that means they are actually getting to be outside and eating bugs and the natural things they should eat. And it is super confusing on the labels. I mean, cage-free sounds to me like it's better, mm -hmm. but yeah, organic pasture raised. Yep. Yep. Um, I, it is very confusing because something might just say organic, but it's, that's mm -hmm. all it says, or it might say just cage-free or, you know, some of these terms and they make the package look like it's healthy. Right. Um, <laughs> And it's greenwashing. So yeah, pasture, <laughs> pasture raised is definitely the, the best ones to get. Okay. Awesome. Um, so what, can you talk a little bit about mitochondria? Like what is the importance of supporting our mitochondria and what are some ways that we can do this? Yeah. So mitochondria are your powerhouses in your cells. A lot of people learn that throughout science, you know, growing up. And mitochondria are looked at a lot when you're talking about things like NAD and aging and clearing out your dead cells. So things like doing saunas, doing cold plunges or hopping in a very cold bath kind of shocks the mitochondria. And the other benefit of those things are when you're kind of shocking the system, when you remove yourself from the cold plunge or the hot sauna, your body starts to recover. And in that recovery is when you're really clearing out all the dead cells, creating new space, creating better oxygen flow, where your mitochondria are really able to function properly. And why you should care about mitochondria is it is involved in so many disease processes. And it's involved in a lot of the ones that people aren't, let's see, people aren't 
always very trained in treating like the fatigue syndromes where you're just so tired all the time and your thyroid's okay and your vitamin levels are okay and you just don't know what's going on a lot of those times mitochondria it has a part in those how do we know if our mitochondria need support yeah, there's unfortunately not a test that can just show mitochondria levels, but I like to check ferritin. Ferritin is a good predictor of your, you know, health in general. The physician that I kind of trained under and that she mentored me actually went as far to say as it was like predictive of your life expectancy. And she would always check that and made sure, you know, if it was off. And she was really looking into inflammation with them and making sure he he or she was all set on chronic disease prevention. Okay. Can you explain that a little bit more with the ferritin? Like what is, if it's too high, if it's too low? Um, and then if so, what, how does somebody fix that? Yeah. So ferritin is traditionally checked as part of an anemia workup. And it's the next step. If you think you're anemic, okay, might show low levels. But let's see your ferritin stores. So that's kind of related to your iron levels. And if it is low, then that points to a traditional iron deficient anemia. If it's high, that's where we think what else is going on here. Um, it can be a genetic condition called hemochromatosis, where you're just having issues storing iron within the liver. But it could also be, and this is, you know, the newer thinking, the functional integrative thinking, be reflective of inflammation, chronic inflammation levels. And that kind of puts up the red flags on what else is going on with this person, because you really start to worry about their organ health once they're keeping too much iron and heart health and risk for, you know, chronic conditions like diabetes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there anything nutritionally that somebody should do if they have either high or low ferritin? Yeah, low ferritin, you want to make sure you're getting your iron levels treated, whether that's supplement or prescription iron. Red meat is a classic way to improve your iron level spinach. High ferritin, you want to explore more of the root cause. So it would be good if the ferritin levels are high to look in depth at your inflammation and try to see where the inflammation is coming from. But doing anti-inflammatory diet would be really key until you know where that inflammation is coming from. So maybe it's coming from the gut and then you can make that specific regimen for the gut. Maybe it's coming from too much blood sugar. So once you can find out through other, you know, regular blood tests, then you can pinpoint the right therapy for it. Okay. Awesome. Um, going back to mitochondria just for one second. Yeah. Is there... Besides, so you talked a little bit about like sauna and cold. Are there, is there anything supplement wise or nutritionally there that someone would want to focus on? Um, supplement wise, not specifically. And the things like NAD, you know, those are newer and they're still being studied a lot, but getting an NAD drip. So an IV version is really good for recovery in that way. Mm -hmm. And it supports those levels. Um, and then nutritionally, it goes back to making sure you're really getting in your phytonutrients. So, you know, your colorful rainbow fruits and vegetables that have all those cancer fighting compounds, antioxidants, where it helps support the mitochondria to clear the junk, clear the free radicals. Okay. Do you ever have people do fasting to do that same thing? Yes. People are very... <laughs> 
<laughs> touchy about <laughs> fasting. I love fasting. I think a good 12-hour fast is very powerful to support the mitochondria. And I was actually just learning about with menopausal women how over a 15-hour fast, 15 to 17, is, can be really helpful with their symptoms. So I'm going to you know, experiment more with that with my clients. But I think anyone who's personally done fasting can speak to how it makes them feel. A lot of the time there's clearer thoughts, higher energy levels, better digestion, and it absolutely helps support mitochondria. Okay. Awesome. Do you fast? Um, I, so in my past when I was, I've been studying this kind of stuff for a long time. So when I was like mm -hmm. 20 years old, um, I was on a fasting spree and I would fast mm -hmm. all of the time. And I lost my period for three years. And mm -hmm. so I think it was also stress induced, but also I was like starving my body too much and really, really messing with my hormone balance. So I stopped fasting for a very long time after that. Mm -hmm. Um, now I'm to the point where I will do like standard 12 hours, you know, between dinner mm -hmm. and breakfast, which feels good. And I think that everybody should do that. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. every once in a while, like very uh, not very often I will do like a 24 hour fast just to kind of keep things under wraps and get that autophagy and everything. But, um, I'm not as crazy mm -hmm. as I used to be about it. <laughs> yeah. I think that balance is important. And, you know, after the holidays, a lot of people look into fasting more and I think a 24 hour fast, like you said, is reasonable, but especially if you have hormone issues, like you said, you have to be so careful with making sure you're still getting in the nutrients your body needs. Right. Exactly. What about you? What's your regimen? Um, I am trying to do more weightlifting and support my hormones as well. So I'm probably eating more now than I ever have before. <laughs> and yeah. I, you know, in my whole life, I've never been a breakfast person. And in the past couple of months, I'm trying to, you know, get a smoothie in or whatever I can after I do a 12 hour fast for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, probably earlier morning, I try to start with a healthy fat and some protein. Yep. I'm really big on breakfast for yeah. hormone health. Yeah. Yes. Especially for women. Yes. You know what you're doing then. <laughs> <laughs> Living a healthy lifestyle can be super hard when you don't live near a store that sells healthy organic foods or when you're just way too busy like me to go to the grocery store and actually shop. Love shopping online at Thrive Market. Thrive Market saves you time and effort when trying to shop for healthy food and non-toxic household and self-care products. You can actually get a nice peace of mind knowing that you're getting top quality products that are organic, non-GMO, non-toxic, and I think the best part is that they're sold at wholesale prices, so you're saving about 25 to 50% sometimes. You can find everything there from toothpaste and dish soap to organic wines and grass-fed meat. And my favorite thing to get from there are really all of my pantry staples. So for baking, I love to get all of my grain-free flours and then all of my healthy cooking oils like beef tallow and coconut oil. You can even search for and filter out products by over 90 different values. So things like vegan, paleo, sustainably farmed, non-GMO, and even autoimmune, which I loved using this when I was going through my personal autoimmune healing journey and this was my place to shop. 
So make sure you head to the link in my show notes so that you can get a free gift when you sign up for a membership through that link. Let's dive into toxins a little bit. Um, where do people start with this? Like, what are some of the bad, cause I know it's a crazy topic. So what are some of the biggest things people need to watch out for? Where do they start? Um, how do we mitigate confusion with this topic? Mm-hmm. Toxins are overwhelming because everyone's exposed to them every single day. And there's so much of it that is not in your control. Unfortunately, you know, you go outside, you think you're doing good by playing golf or on a playground and, Oh, they sprayed for bugs earlier that morning. You know, yeah. it's just everywhere. Or, you know, I have some friends in Chicago and everyone I test there, their levels are high because of the water there isn't great. So a lot of it is out of your control. But this is what I would say. If you have symptoms that you can't really trace the root of, so maybe you have headaches, don't know why they started a couple of years ago, they're getting worse, or you're super tired all the time, or even light and smell sensitivity is common. Um, you should have your levels checked. And then also hormone issues, because, you know, toxins mess with your estrogens, because some of the toxins mimic or look to our body like estrogens. And then that creates a whole cascade of issues. And women with toxins and estrogen issues have a really hard time losing weight. So I would say, if it's something you want to do as part of an annual panel, great, just check your toxins, make sure you're good frequent fish eaters. This is important too. I do see high mercury levels with the sushi lovers. Um, And then, yeah, if you're having these symptoms that you do not know where they're coming from and they're not really going away, no matter what, you know, treatments you're trying, I think it's important to look at toxin levels because a lot of them are easy fixes. Yeah. Um, When you say check your levels, what, what kind of tests, because there's a lot of different things people can do. What is, can you be a little bit more specific with that? Yeah, I use hair testing for toxins. Hair is um, preferred because it looks back at a longer window than like a urine test would. So it gives a better window as to what you've been exposed to recently. And it also is a good view of what's going on inside your cells. It can look at intracellular levels, which when you take from blood, you're not really looking at. So I that's the test I run is a hair um, toxin level. And then it's good to do probably every year. And then we create a plan depending on what shows up to kind of detox from there. Okay. But it's really easy. I will yeah. say uh, you have to cut out, you know, a few chunks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's non-invasive, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. I do hair testing as well. And I'm, I always tell people like, don't worry, you're not going to be bald. Yeah. It's not, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I had a girlfriend recently she did a whole bunch of functional medicine labs and the mm-hmm. the person did um toxin testing was looking at plastic levels and like the toxins mm-hmm. from plastics and all that and at the time she was drinking from water bottles like all the time mm-hmm. um and so the doctor said stop doing that immediately like stop using plastics and i think it was like i don't know if it was like a couple months three months retested those levels and significantly dropped like almost to nothing. So just that one testimony is so powerful to see like this stuff is there and it does affect us. And like you said, it can be a very easy fix of just like identifying that Mm -hmm. thing in the environment, 
and putting in an air filter, a water filter, stopping using plastics, like anything like that to adjust to what uh, our body is bringing in. Yeah, I have a similar story of, um, it was like one of my old patients, he, and it was a guy, which was interesting. He was having weird hormone tests and a young guy, very healthy, worked out, ate well, and his test kept coming back off. And then we figured out that he had been eating prepackaged healthy meals in little containers. And so every day, and this was like around COVID time. So, you know, he, this is what he was eating all the time, three times a day, just popped off the lid, put in the microwave and he stopped and it stopped. So it is, yeah, eye opening. Oh, wow. That's a really great story. Cause I think, um, most people don't think of that. They want that convenience food. And even if it is from a healthy place and if they're doing that all the time, then, I mean, I guess an alternative could be like taking it out of the package (laughs) if you needed to have that, if you had to have that convenience food, like take it out first, put it on a regular plate, then cook it, Um, preferably on the stove maybe, but hey, (laughs) teach their own. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Are there anything else you want to talk about with toxins before we move on? Any other big recommendations like products you use specifically? I think a good product to use just to throw it in, you know, if you have a daily greens powder or something you drink on the regular um, liquid chlorophyll, it's good for your liver and your liver is your detox center. So it just helps aid that process. I throw that in every morning on my little beets green powder drink. Nice. I like that tip. Okay. Um, so you work with hormones a lot. That's some of like the major people that you see. What are some of the most common hormonal imbalances that you're seeing? The most common would be estrogen dominance. And that's when women are really seeking out the help because they're having symptoms that women do not want to have. They're having trouble losing weight. They're having acne, like stubborn, very hard to get rid of acne, oily skin, hair where they don't want it. You know, it's really a set of symptoms that I wouldn't wish on anyone. And these women are doing, you know, a lot of things right already. So they're very frustrated. But with, and this is similar, like PCOS picture, many women with PCOS have estrogen dominance. Mm-hmm. And the the protocol and the treatment is very unique. And working with someone or, you know, having a good resource of what you should be doing can make a huge difference. And a big part of that is insulin management and blood blood sugar management. Yes. I love talking about blood sugar. Um, What are some ways that you have people start to manage their blood sugar better? I have everyone I work with do a two-week food journal because I think that's powerful for, you know, both me and them and kind of eye-opening to see where added sugars are coming from. And a lot of the times people think, Certain foods are healthy and they might be, but for, you know, a specific blood sugar issue, you have to look at them in a different lens. Like peanut butters, a lot of them have a lot of added sugars. Same with yogurts or acai or smoothie bowls. Those those will get you if you're worried about sugars. So really taking a look into dietary sources of added carbs, added sugars, and are you walking after your meals? That is very big on regulating your insulin levels. Mm-hmm. I love that tip. Um, I never had had an acai bowl my entire life until like last year. I think I tried one 
And because yeah. I don't eat a lot of sugar ever, even if it's from natural fruits. And I just remember eating it and immediately had a headache and a and a sugar rush and I felt high. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, I was shaking. I was like, okay, I'm never doing that again. And so many people think they're healthy, but they it's so much sugar with not only the fruit, but I think they also add like honey on there and all sorts of other stuff. So granola. I, yeah, granola that probably yeah. also has sugar on it. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Um, okay. So walking after meals, doing a food journal. I think those are great. Do you ever have people do CGMs or checking their own blood sugar? I don't personally have them do them. I've had personal experience with the CGM. I think for some clients, it gets a little overwhelming. Um, but if I had a client that wanted to do it, I would be so down because the research coming out on CGMs is insane and the amount of info you can extract from them. And, and I think, you know, Mark Hyman said this, if I eat a sweet potato and you eat a sweet potato, our levels are going to be different. So it just really helps individualize medicine and mm-hmm. create, you know, just the almost perfect plan for what you should be eating. Yeah, if I agree, if I could get everybody to use a CGM, yeah. I would. <laughs> Even if it's only for like a month, it's it has so powerful for an eye opening for yeah. you to see how things affect you. Um, so back to the estrogen dominance for a second. One thing that I like is broccoli sprouts. Are there any like do you use those? Are there any certain superfoods that are great for women that have estrogen dominance or men? They can have estrogen mm-hmm. dominance as well. Sure. Yeah, cruciferous vegetables, number one recommendation. So that includes a lot of green leafy vegetables, broccoli, um, cabbage. And the recommendation for vegetables is actually nine cups a day. And I think, I mean, I heard that and I thought that sounds like a lot, even for me who, you know, is conscious about my food. So convincing someone to get in vegetables more daily isn't always easy. But, you know, put them in your smoothies. A lot of times you don't taste it. Try to add them at breakfast. Sometimes people don't think about throwing in vegetables at breakfast. Um, and I don't think it's a cruciferous vegetable, but cauliflower. It, you can actually hide that in your oatmeal. And that still really helps to get a lot of the nutrients from that. And you cannot taste it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the other thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I love cruciferous vegetables. And I always tell people to try and make a huge smoothie where you hide as many vegetables as possible in that the first thing for the day. Um, and that way you're already trying almost hitting that goal of, of where you're trying to go, but continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great tip. And another thing with estrogen dominance, I was going to say is just sweating the power of sweating and detoxing from those estrogens can make a huge difference. So maybe that's hot yoga. If you have access to a sauna, um, And another powerful thing is, which I'm, you know, dabbling more into with my clients now is eating based on your cycle times. So the first half of your cycle for women is very estrogen dominant. So if you really cater to your estrogen needs there, so eat, eat low carb, estrogen doesn't like sugar, then that can be really powerful, especially for women who want to lose weight. And this is where fasting can really do you some wonders. And then the second half of your cycle is more progesterone based and progesterone does well with a little bit of sugar. So that's where you can increase your carbs a little bit. If you want to do more weight training or, you know, hit training, it doesn't have to be as much of the sweating detox exercises like the estrogen requirements. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, What if somebody has low estrogen? What would be the differences in, in that for them? 
low estrogen usually couples with low progesterone and then you're looking at you know low total hormones and what i look at when i see those two things coupled is cortisol levels so is your stress just taking over here where your sex hormones aren't being preferenced um or or nutrition so are you eating the healthy fats that you need to make these cholesterol to make these hormones down the line Hmm. Yeah, because we need cholesterol to make our sex hormones. Um, yes. What are the healthy fats you recommend for people if they have low hormone levels? Focus on omega threes. So there's omega threes and omega sixes and healthy fats. Omega sixes can be an issue if you eat too many of them and can be a little bit inflammatory. But omega threes are found in most nuts and um, salmon. So eat salmon or if you can tolerate another fish a couple times a week. If you can't take a fish oil, that supplement is fine and great to take. But it's just important to know that your body can't make what it needs if you're not giving it the fuel to do so. So I think a lot of women, and this may be a generality or my personal experience, under eat. And it's actually eating more that can help fix a lot of the problems if you're giving, you know, the right nutrition, those healthy fats, the protein and the um, whole grain carbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like my story with my too much fasting. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure you see that a lot with your um, clients since you're so nutrition focused. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, I have one more question for you, which is if you could give the listeners one tip that they could implement this week that would help them live a healthier, happier life, what would that be? Healthier, happier life. I think focus on sleep. And I think that's a fun thing to do is focus on sleep. And what's important there is your routine. And this is where you can really get into it. So have a routine that you can look forward to every day. Is it, you know, essential oils in a hot bath? Is it just a shower because you have a little kid and then you read a book for a couple hours? I do some deep breathing when I'm actually laying in bed right before I go to sleep. So having that set routine trains your brain and trains your melatonin and cortisol cycles to say, okay, it's time. Let's get ready to do this. And the routine is more important than the number of hours you sleep. And they're doing more research on that. And I just posted something about the temperature you're supposed to sleep in, 60 to 67 degrees. That is cold, but (laughs) it helps you fall asleep faster and stay asleep and burn more resting calories. So look into sleep, get a routine that you can look forward to. And through sleeping well, you're going to support every single health goal that you're trying to hit. That is such a good tip. And a lot of times I put sleep pretty close up next to nutrition or even sometimes above it. If you're not sleeping, you're not healing, you're not making your hormones properly or anything else. So yeah, love that. Um, Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Do you want to go ahead and share like how people can work with you or any other last words you want to share? Sure. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. I think email is best. You know, you can um, email me. It'll be in the notes, I'm sure. And that'll go directly to me and, you know, working with me. I just work with you. You won't see another provider. So I try to keep it personal. So feel free to just email me directly. I do also have a create your own package that a lot of people like to do on my website and you can click all the tests that interest you and then we can go from there. Okay, great. Yeah. We have all that stuff in the show notes. All right. Thanks, Hannah. All right. Thank you.
I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And if so, please make sure you leave a comment and rating on whatever podcast platform you're using and share this episode with a friend who needs to hear it. Please remember that this podcast is not meant to treat, cure, or prevent any illness. Always talk to your healthcare provider before implementing any nutrition, lifestyle, or supplement changes you hear about on this podcast. Now, before I go, I want to talk more about how I may be able to help you. If you are someone who is sick of running from doctor to doctor, not getting any answers, but you still know something is wrong, functional medicine is the way for you to go. I have worked with so many people who have been dismissed by doctors, who have experienced things like anxiety, hair loss, PMS, brain fog, eczema, bloating, and other GI issues, and more. But when I run functional medicine labs on these people, we actually find the root causes of what's going on. And this might be things like hidden gut infections, toxic heavy metals, mold, leaky gut, and vitamin and mineral deficiencies. And then with this information, we're able to make nutrition, lifestyle changes, and custom supplementation and herbal protocols, which actually helps these people get rid of their symptoms. I've seen clients reverse rheumatoid arthritis, alopecia areata, IBS, and other complex health issues. And I've also seen clients who thought they were generally healthy level up into an optimized and energetic version of themselves that they didn't even know they could access. So wherever you're at with your health, you can book a free health consultation with me by going to the link in the show notes or by heading over to naturalhealthrising.com and book a call there right now so that you can start feeling like yourself again, happy and energized. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Keep tuning in every week to gain more knowledge on how to live your healthiest, happiest life. And make sure to follow me on TikTok and Instagram for additional health information.